This podcast is all about talking about the questions that we all have in relation to Christian life in the world. You have to um, put a camel through a needle or something. Mm-hmm. Then we have to, you know, face like, persecution. Like wear a mask. So, uh... <laughs> but a hot take, hot take. <laughs> I'm a normal dude. George is a Presbyterian pastor. Right. This is not for homeschool Johnny. Hey, he's back. I'm back, everyone. The George is back. The Badger is defeated. And the sacred halls of Community Presbyterian Church have been defended. Are free again for worship. Defended. Thanks to Pastor George Erlinson. Yes. Uh, so, what did you think of the solo episode? Oh, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I hated it. I always loved getting the feedback from friend of the show, Thomas Wong, who was like, this is the best episode yet, because I'm not in it. It's like, <laughs> great. Thank you for that. Dude. Wonderful. I, I got, dude, I got like, so it took me a full day to realize he was just trying to mess with you by saying that. Oh, yeah. At first, I was like, wow, Thomas really loved my... Because it was... I came very close to just not releasing it because I was like, uh, I think this is not good. I think this might be even a bad episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, then, then he said that. And I was like, oh, cool. It is It is good. But then I realized, oh, no. Thomas will just say anything to fuck with you. Well, no, it's half and half. Half of it is to screw with me. The other half is to... He, he likes testimonies and stuff. And it was oh, it was like a testimony, right. which was good. So, and he requested yeah. I do one. He wants to know how I became the Joker, um, and we'll <laughs> we, we'll we'll get there eventually. We'll we'll see. We do live in a society, and I'll I'll tell people how it happened. So, <laughs> what do you get? <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> how about another no, joke, day, Thomas? There there will be a George solo episode. Yes. One of these and days, very... Cole will have to fight a badger, and then I'll have to come in and rescue the show. Well, we do have... I might have to fight a... Um, not a womp rat. That's a Star Wars thing. <laughs> uh, what are like the, the real-life womp rats called? called? <laughs> real-life womp rats? <laughs> uh, a muskrat. Okay. I might have to fight a muskrat. Yeah, really. So when I, if and when it mm. goes down betwixt me and the, and the muskrat right i'll let you know yes no please let me know i'll be here ready to burden carry the burden of the show <laughs> and burden all right lives. all right i'm gonna cue light banter because we have a, a topic for light banter today oh <clears throat> and now for a spot of light banter okay so my boy logan uh, asked a question, but he phrased it as, as such, right? So he goes, I'd love to hear more about this boarding school stuff that you guys keep alluding to. Maybe something you could discuss during light banter. So thank you, showrunner Logan Keck, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> you know, this guy's calling the shots, you know. I thought we were independent operators, but, you know, meanwhile, instead of just getting questions for the show, I'm getting... Yeah, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, roll that People into segment love that. A. People love that. Vamp for the first three minutes, roll it into segment A, and then uh, we'll shoot some B-roll of your school while you guys sort of go over it, and I don't know, that'll probably kill five minutes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we clearly have no idea what we're doing, so we'll take all the structure and consultation we can get from, from uh, Big Hollywood Logan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, please, anyone else, if you want to tell us what to talk about during our white banter, let us know. Yeah. If you want to tell me how to structure my program, uh, really, I'm all ears. I'm just, you know, I, I love it. <laughs> so, okay, how did I actually don't even know how you ended up at Blair? Blair is our the, the boarding school we went to. Mm. Was your dad just like this is happening? Uh, no, it was my mom. My mom was the one who who pushed for it. She she dated. Uh, well, I don't want to. I don't want to say. She dated a pro- a son of a prominent donor to Blair when they were in high school or right after high school. <laughs> Did she? Yes. Yeah. For those in the New Jersey area, it's the family that owns many of the Shoprites in New Jersey. And my mom worked at Shoprite <laughs> and met the son there, and they dated for a little while. And she—that's how she heard about Blair. And she was like, "Well, if I can ever send a child here, yeah. I'd love to do that." 
Because my mom, yeah, for we, those who don't know, my mom grew up very poor. And so it was like a big, big thing for her. And so when I became, got to high school level, she was like, well, we'd like you to apply. And if you don't get in, you don't get in. So I didn't apply to any other boarding school. If I didn't go, I would have just gone to the local public high school. And I got in. And so they sent me. You would have been a completely different man. Probably would be dead. No, I don't know. <laughs> you would have had no idea the difference between a teaspoon and a dessert spoon. I know. And where it should lay on a, on a French place setting versus a Russian place setting. I know, exactly. Um, yeah, I wouldn't even so... know the difference between Russian and French types of dining. I would just be completely... You know, yeah, know. you know, that, that, that would have been uh, beyond tragic. Right. I mean, if I didn't know that, I'd kill myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, just... For the record, George, we covered your mom pretty heavily on the last episode, so we, we just like lay off that topic. Sure, for a while. yeah, no problem. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't want to oversaturate the audience. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so so yeah, I first of all, like, there's the whole what what is a boarding school? A lot of people assume it's correctional. Yes, <laughs> which for me it was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but no, so it's um in generally like most boarding schools in the United States are in the northeast of a. Uh, region yep. yep and uh the reason for that is historical right it's because like that part of the country is most influenced by let's say like british culture yeah and so these these boarding schools prep college preparatory boarding schools like the one that george and i went to are um modeled after english boarding schools right. so we have a wonky schedule. Obviously, the, the key factor of boarding, we live there as students. Right. We have this wonky schedule where we do a half-day Wednesday, half-day Saturday, yep. which is as fun as it sounds. Yep. <laughs> and uh, the, the idea is just to be surrounded in like your learning environment. Yeah. Right. That, that's like the pitch. That's why like the English would send their kids away to school. Uh, and so George and I went to one such school yeah. called Blair. That's that's really like the the, that, the boring explanation. Yeah, yeah, right? and it has all of the things that you would expect, you know, hijinks, prefects, houses. Yeah. Our our school had houses for a special event, so it's like they they took that I think for the headmasters games. Yeah, yeah, and buggery between male students. <laughs> um, you know all of these all of these wonderful things. Uh, our school was co-ed. I don't know if you mentioned that. So it was both. Oh yeah, was yeah, both we guys, did go to a co-ed guys school. And girls. Uh, which is not yeah. always not always the case. It is funny because people just assume it's all guys. Or I'm like, like, oh, boarding school must have been tough, huh? No ladies. Yeah. Like, mm, no. <laughs> no. I unfortunately for me, there were women there, and so I embarrassed myself. I mean, I I mean, yeah. I would have embarrassed myself if I wasn't cool. I apologize. I shouldn't. Have. No, there were tons yeah. of girls there to tell me like, hey, you were really great in that play, and I still won't date you. Um, <laughs> that was really cool. That was fun. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> uh, the wrong girl asked me to Sadie Hawkins. I want to go with her. Um, that was super ill, <laughs> off the charts, dope. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I guess like you know, I loved it. I, it's not, I not everyone has a good experience, but I loved it. Uh, and so yeah. for me, it was like the probably the most important educational experience that I had followed by seminary so it like i i kind of had boarding school dead zone and then seminary and that's because of community yeah. i really like i had a great community at, at blair at my at the boarding school with you guys and then i had a great community at my seminary in my college it was it was nice but it wasn't kind of at that same level and so yeah like it, it really wasn't being in a, a learning environment where you got into things with each other which was just enjoyable yeah i also learned the most at blair mm-hmm yeah. Like I remember like before I forgot what it might, might have been Lunger who was like, you don't realize it yet, but every class you take here is basically a college course. Sure. Like even if you go to a really, really good college, you're going to get there and be like, this is just the same level of education that I received to Blair. Yeah. <laughs> but like faster. Yeah. You know, because yeah, you no. have to get it done in a semester rather than a year. But um, 100%. And that turned out to be totally true. Like I got to to like I went to Elon like it's it's a solid school yeah, but I remember they scare you so much at prep school like wait till you get to college you think you're gonna get away with this in college having a sloppy thesis statement like that <laughs> no way wait till you get to college dude wait till you get to college and then I got to college and the first term paper I turned in was like a uh, a ninety three 
Right. And I was like, what the fuck? I, I was taught to, I was taught that a 93 on a term paper does not exist. And then the next, and then the next paper, I was like, I'm going to stop trying. Cause who the fuck, why would I? And I stopped trying in the next grade. I got was a 96. Mm. And I was like, I'm never trying again. And I haven't, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like, yeah, I do really credit Blair for, for the education we received there. I enjoyed it. I begged my parents to go. Um, cause I had a fucked up home life, but you know, <laughs> uh, I, I loved Blair. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, incredible time there. Obviously we met, we, we lived on the same floor freshman year. Um, so yeah, only good things to say about it really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess there's one, I, I guess there's two things worth mentioning. Two things that came to mind, at least in regards to this podcast is one, it was a Presbyterian school, but <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll just you know whatever, whatever the heck that means anymore. Uh, we'll let we'll let everyone think about you know. It was a Presbyterian it, it, school, so naturally the chaplain was a woman. Well, yeah, that was. I mean, whatever, and that's fine. I don't have a, you know, I have no problem there, but uh, it was just funny because you know it was it was very lukewarm, which isn't surprising uh, because that's like typical Northeast type stuff. Right, uh, right, right, right. But, uh, but yeah, gotta. I'm, I'm a big supporter. They must hate me there because I do donate uh, because I, I like it. But I donate solely to the religious studies program, and so, <laughs> so they awesome. get like I don't know, and I don't donate a lot of money. You know, I'm not. So they get a, you know like a couple hundred dollars for me a year, and I can just imagine them seeing like, what are we supposed to do with, with this? <laughs> so exactly. It's like get get exactly. a class of pizza. I don't know. Um, and so it's it's funny in in that respect, but also the other part of boarding school, which I think is funny, is just a just to tell a story about a prank that I pulled on Cole. You know, I didn't know we were going to talk about. Are this. you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you you're gonna. You, you, <laughs> I don't know okay, if you do even it. know that Here's this happened. Thing. I don't even know if this. I do. If you know this happened. The the whipped cream thing. Do you know about the whipped cream thing? Yeah, I know about the whipped cream. Thing. <laughs> so I didn't want to give you idiots the satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh <laughs> so we we lived in the same freshman dorm and of course lights out was like what lights out was at 11 was that when we were supposed to go to bed or 10 i don't remember i think it was 11 o'clock was it 11 i think it was 11 um well i don't even remember yeah. yeah so anyway we were supposed to go to bed or whatever and then of course most kids didn't uh I, we, although i did because i was a little angel but this one time um <laughs> We, uh, my friend, my roommate and I, Troy and Cole's mutual friend, decided to uh, prank Cole by taking a bottle of whipped cream and spraying it on his face in the middle of the night. And so we went in there and we did it. And it was great because we got the whole dorm together and everyone was watching from the dorm as we sprayed it all over your face. And we have it recorded and uh, somewhere. So we still have it. And, but so you. Well, it's great that when so I run you, for Senate, that's floating around. Yes, out yes, there. exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But did you wake up with like and like <laughs> like how did that actually transpire? Because when you woke up it the next all, morning, it was gone, and so we were just like, "What happened?" I have no idea, dude. It all must it, it must have been really shitty whipped cream, and also they definitely maybe they didn't hold it upside down enough sure. because it all just evaporated somehow. Right. And I had to be told by people that it happened. Right. 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 Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. all like I was like, where the prank for me was? I woke up and there were some stains on my comforter <laughs> and i was like what are these stains from <laughs> that's the only way i had any idea right. what happened right um and so then i was like huh that's weird yeah you know but, it wasn't like i uh yeah yeah great times yeah. were had um, by all great times <laughs> were had by all there i don't think i have any boarding school pranks that i would even be comfortable sharing yeah on air. No, that was the lightest one. They're I could all think of. so fucked. Up. <laughs> that was the light uh, one. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even. Yeah. Oh, no. and then you guys would sneak into our room. You stuck into our room at some other point, and you would froze the uh, the cream cheese packets from the dining hall. Do you remember doing it? Like, people would bust into people's rooms. Did, and I didn't. I remember they would pelt pelted. people with frozen, <laughs> with frozen cream cheese. Cream that's cheese. the most. That's the most New Jersey form of assault there is. <laughs> You know, like it must have been throwing freshly stuffed cannolis at you. Right, right, yeah. yeah. I'm no jabroni, man. These things are fresh stuffed. 
Um, yeah, FYI, if you ever see a cannoli like behind glass in a restaurant or something, and it has the stuffing in it, that place has no fucking idea what they're doing. Run. Yeah. Okay? And if they say it's authentic, then slap them. Yeah. <laughs> because you should never see a cannoli with the stuffing in it unless it's on your fucking table. That yeah. is that irritates me to know it. It doesn't take that much effort to stuff it because it gets soggy. It alters <laughs> it alters the shell of the cannoli. Alright, whatever. So <laughs> people would pelt you with, with cream cheese. Yeah. So <laughs> the point is is that the, we got there's lots of shenanigans in boarding school as well. So That's I don't amazing. know what you want, producer. I, you just told us to talk about boring schools. So I'm just talking producer about producer Logan, uh, executive producer Logan, uh, consulting director Logan. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I hope we did you proud. Yeah. <laughs> I love both I unit love a Logan. and unit B director Logan. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll wait on that B roll yeah. whenever you're ready. Buddy. Yeah. We'll edit um, it in post. <laughs> yeah. No, it's going to come together. Great in post. <laughs> I'm a big ideas, man. Uh, <laughs> let's cue let's cue deep dive because we got a fun one today we're going to talk about uh, drugs George's deep dive it's so deep alright will God ruin my coke habit mm. is it ruin yeah it is <laughs> well he ruined mine yeah Cole is the one who suggested this topic because he can't control himself and so <laughs> okay I want to lay down a marker that any references that I make on this episode to myself partaking in substance use of any kind are purely satirical. Yes. <laughs> so I've never, I've never done that. I've never used drugs because why would I? Uh-huh. There's no good reason for anyone to. Uh, and of course, I'm a thinking rational human being. Right. So uh, from here on in, any of those, I'm the funny one. <laughs> I'm the funny person. So this, these are all jokes. <laughs> from here on in. So just make that clear. <laughs> Perhaps our consulting lawyer uh, Logan, Logan can, can uh, <laughs> yeah can help clarify. Can cover our asses on this one. <laughs> yeah. Consulting lawyer, uh, attorney at law, Logan. Right. Shout out, Esquire. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. So came to, to talking about drugs and I, uh, also like my friend Cole have never partake in drugs before. You done never partook. Done never partook, never imbibed. Um, uh, but I, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I know, I know that people, uh, do things. I know it happens. <laughs> I've You're seen, I've seen Narcos on Netflix. All right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but this is an interesting one. Uh, actually, like, I actually think it's more interesting as drugs have become legalized to think about. Um, yeah. because my first answer is a boring one because like, is God going to ruin your Coke habit? And the answer is, well, yes, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the reason why of my, like, I have two reasons why basically. And the first one is a very boring one and one no one wants to hear because it's one it's true and usually true things are annoying but two it also is like the one that is most unsatisfying for us you know americans or whatever right which is that if the government says that you shouldn't do something then you shouldn't do it so if it's illegal don't partake i know i know fucking boo i know we need to we need the boo like soundtrack because uh it, it, we don't true. we don't have we've got me yeah we do. Boo. <laughs> yeah i know it's annoying okay. it's it's one of the most uh for many for many things could be possibly very annoying and maybe we could do a whole episode on that at some point just the the concept of that and how to apply it but yeah um, well you need to tell me because i'm gonna have to fill our soundboard with judge dread qu- quotes yeah i'm the law just <laughs> the meaning of the law, law! um <laughs> <laughs> Call it, call it, citizen. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, um, yeah. Why, why is that the case? Uh, because you know the Bible draws a pretty big distinction, or at least the New Testament does, between what the government has control of and what it doesn't. And basically, all spiritual matters are for the individual Christian. All other matters belong to the state, 
right? And so this is where we get into like Jesus is talking about, you know, render unto Caesars what is Caesars and Matthew or Paul's, which I imagine this crushes the inner anarchist in you, Cole. It, Romans 13 just has to really have your nads in a vice grip because there it says, let everyone be subject to governing authorities for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Governing authorities need not be forced monopolists. Oh, they need not. They need not. There, I guess no I should have kept this. reading, because one of the things that Paul likes is the fact that it has that they give God gives the power of the sword. The they may wield force, but they, they, they need not necessarily be force monopolists. All right, all right. Okay? Yeah, all right. So, okay. Well, you know, I'm fine with mall security wielding force, <laughs> okay? Come back here! You know, and in fact, there are more private security officers in America than there are police officers. I didn't even so know America that. is already... Uh, more uh, towards an anarcho-capitalist perspective on this issue. Wow! You know what? Don't 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 come at me. I'm gonna come don't at you. Come at I'm me, always George. gonna come at you. Like uh, I wasn't ready for this <laughs> as a Christian anarchist, <laughs> as if I wasn't. Ooh, Romans thirteen. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. But so, like, I I mean, one of the places that we obviously think of. So, for people who haven't heard those words before, right? One of the first things you think about, like, well, what if there's an unjust law, right? Like, what if there's segregation going on? And I think that that's where we get on to part two when it comes to the response to that, which is like, if it violates your conscience, right, your religious conscience to follow a law, then you are not obligated to do so, right? You can look in Daniel for that. Daniel uh, is, is a good servant of the Babylonian king until the Babylonian king tells him to bow down to an idol. Daniel says no, right? Lions den. You see the same thing with the apostles in, in the New Testament, right? They... They follow all sorts of laws, but as soon as they're told they can't preach anymore, they go, ah, we're not going to listen to that, right? So right. the problem is, is that as a Christian, I think you would be very hard-pressed to say your your conscience dictates that you have to be able to take substances, right? Um, I think that you it's not like the Native American-type uh, belief system with peyote and things like that. Uh, and so there's really no reason to that I could see from a scriptural standpoint or even a church tradition or church history standpoint outside of having wine with with uh, uh communion there to, to have a reason to disobey government authority when it comes to that stuff and i know it's very boring it's very boring and not what we want to hear but it's what the bible has to say um and right and that's important because like the reason it says that right the reason they give themselves is in order to show one that they're you know christians it isn't it, even though it is a social movement it is not primarily a social movement to overthrow existing power structures right that's god's job not ours um but it's also in order to uh make sure that our work goes unimpeded when we are called to minister to others right and you that really hurts when you uh are always breaking laws or trying to overthrow everything and uh yeah it's a good way to kind of right derail so, so now let's let's pretend my boy comic and libertarian activist dave smith fellow anarchist mm. uh is elected president sure. in the next election cycle right. which he will be of course dave smith yeah yep uh michael malice will will, will be alongside him yep <laughs> um so and then all drugs are legal right right yeah so now the first thing that comes to every christian's mind here is like do like paul saying like do not get drunk off wine sure which we could extend to do not get drunk off other substances right right yeah what else is in there for for me to to worry about right let's say i'm in amsterdam with the boys sure okay yeah 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 so at that that this is the part that i was thinking about that's much more interesting than the first part because the first part just right. gets rid of this conversation the second part right because if it's illegal then you can't do it right but if it is yeah. legal then it is a little bit more interesting because sure we ha we do have passages that that uh, speak against like drunkenness and uh, call people to be sober-minded and things like that, right? Uh, but yeah, but and, and isn't it that if you get drunk, the Bible teaches that you might end up like fucking your own kids or something? <laughs> possibility. It's a possibility. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So obviously, uh, there's there's that incredibly strong possibility as well. Every time you get drunk, uh, right. but I think you know that it just is a consistent theme that being 
drunk is 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 not a good thing and in the sense of out uh, completely out of out of control of yourself right um mm-hmm. and th- like like slizzard like slizzard yeah just being absolutely slizzard yeah like turn yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah so the interesting thing here is what do you do in like places like amsterdam or whatever and the the answer is like it comes down to christian liberty at least for me um because if it is legal, then it's on you uh, to decide whether or not it's something that you can partake in. So, you know, if I was at, like running a church in, well, I guess New Jersey just legalized it recently. Um, so I guess I don't even have to theorize anymore. I used to say, like, what if I was running one in California, something like that. But here, right, if someone in my congregation says, you know, I smoke marijuana or whatever, I would be like, all right, like, you know, you can just as if it, but if it becomes a hindrance, which I do know people for whom it is, uh, then that would be a bad thing in the way that alcohol or tobacco could be a hindrance on, on people's bodies, right? Just because something is legal mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it's actually a good thing to do. Now, does it mean that like, you know, if you've like, you know, I, I don't know, do it, that you're bad or something? No, but I actually think the best way, the thing that relates to me, and I think it's because it's a, something that I struggle with. And I think it's a helpful way of thinking about it is with like food, right? Especially fast food and soda. Cause it's like, I love fast food. I love soda. My body bears witness to that. Right. But like, I think when it comes to stewardship of our bodies, I think that's like where it becomes a much more interesting thing because these things when abused or used too much can ruin your body, which goes against part of right. the stewardship claims that Christ puts on us. Right. And I mean, I think a lot of these substances can be used responsibly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like cocaine was used responsibly by most people who used it back when it was legal. Sure. In the early 1900s. Yeah. I don't know the history like, of drugs, so I'm not going to challenge you on this. Well, cocaine was like very widely used. I do know that. Most yeah. people most people who used it use it responsibly. Sure. Um, so I, I think it, it is possible. But I think it is another one of these things where it's about control uh-huh. over yourself and glorification of yourself. Well, not glo- I don't want to say glorification. <laughs> the stewardship over yourself. So it's like glorifying God through your steward stewardship of the body. Um, and yeah, that could easily apply to food and, and sort of what you're eating. Um, Would you say, just as someone who, of course knows more than for satirical purposes, for satirical has purposes yeah. just has to be the person that knows more than me in this situation um would you say that there are any drugs that you would say full stop are not like they themselves uh can are are even if they're legal right we're not talking about whether or not things should be legalized just from a christian perspective yeah. are should not be used by christians would there be any that you would say no like that that's a bad thing like opium or something like that um, opium is one of the most widely used drugs sure. in America. Sure. Legally. Right. Through, not, so, like, I mean, through if, if we painkillers yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Th- there is no, your brain cannot tell the difference between really, really pure, but perfectly pure street heroin and the kind of like, you know, morphine that you would get in a hospital. Sure. Okay. So like, uh, yeah, just do away with that myth <laughs> right away. Um, is there a drug that, I mean, look, I would say, like, I would say meth, but I mean, like, methamphetamine, the way that people, like, make it in their in their houses, and so, like, okay, yeah, but amphetamines as a drug class, a, another drug class with, like, a wide history of being, like, you didn't even need a prescription to get amphetamines in the in the 70s mm-hmm. and a lot of people were on them because it, yeah boost productivity it helps with dieting whatever um i think that it's very hard for me to point to a single substance and say that's that's a problem substance mm-hmm. i think a lot of this comes down to the individual and even within like the world of cocaine use most people the vast majority of people who use cocaine do so in a way that I would consider responsible. Mm. Um, honestly. Honestly. Like, so that doesn't mean that, like, cocaine's great. Doesn't mean that it's, you know, but uh, people that I know that do it 
and I mean, I was never a regular cocaine user. Again, this is all satirical. Uh, I, I'd say my frequency of use peaked at once every two months, maybe, maybe mm. three. Mm. So this was like a few times a year thing. Sure. I never felt like I was anywhere near becoming addicted. And these, these things that police officers scare you with at schools saying like, oh, what one line of cocaine. And you will wake up destitute in a sewer the next week or whatever, having spent all of your money on cocaine and abandoned your children. Just insulting to anyone with like a, a, a any gray matter between their ears. But uh, yeah, I would say that like most of these drugs can be used responsibly. Now, is it good to use any of them? No, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's not right like do you need do you need to like use cocaine there's absolutely no reason for you to use cocaine like it's just it's it's more destructive than it is helpful right so like there are reasons that we use caffeine as a society sure right which which has negative effects but is much more helpful than it is negative we use caffeine we privilege that over amphetamine Mm -hmm. you know like there is a place in the world of medicine for amphetamines there is a place even today in the world of medicine for cocaine. Um, and of course, there is a very large place for opiates of all kinds. Uh, mm. Because opiates are the only drug class that we can reliably use to, um, to, to dull pain. Right. You have, you have two tools. Purpose there. Yeah, you have two yeah. tools in, in, in medicine, right? You have opiates and you have uh, acetaminophen. Right, and acetaminophen wreaks havoc on the on the liver. Gotcha. It is. I don't know if it's considered the worst drug for your liver out there, but it's definitely close. And a lot of people uh, have liver failure because it, they might be binge drinkers, who then the morning after they have a headache, they take an acetaminophen, and that acetaminophen going through your liver in its weakened state after a full night of drinking. Doing that enough, your liver will fail very quickly. Sure. Whereas if you were just a binge drinker, your liver would have like sort of limped along for years and years and years. But that brutal combination has killed a lot of people right. unknowingly. So like it's over the counter drug, extremely dangerous. Right? Sure. So there's a huge disconnect in the world of of drugs between like what is dangerous, why it's dangerous, how dangerous is it? Right. Uh, and in America, this is obviously because of the war on drugs. I don't want to like go all like anarchist on this podcast, you know, sure. and just be like, Reagan. But, but, um, that is why we have all these misconceptions and the real tragedy, right? George is that people like go out into the world, having heard all this nonsense about drugs. Mm. And then their experience with drugs is so far removed from that. Right. That like, they're like, Oh, well it, it, the drugs must be fine. Right, and then it leads That's to... That's the, the yeah. tragedy. Yeah. Right, and, yeah. and then they, they, they escalate more and more and more, and they find themselves in a, in a bad position. But most people who get addicted, it's 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 an issue that is to do with their own psyche, and they're filling a hole that they have in themselves. It, it's, it has nothing to do with the drugs themselves, which is why like you see people drink themselves to death. Sure. You know, if, if someone has equal access to cocaine and alcohol... And they choose to do cocaine until they die and f- or fry their brains, or use alcohol until they die or fry their brains. I mean, to me, it's like, do I care? Which it's, it's a human tragedy either way. Sure, you know. So yeah. that's sort of like my like stump speech on on the world of, of drugs. Um, I don't know. I, I certainly will not like. When I think about like raising kids one day, I, I'm gonna speak to them the way that I just spoke to you. Like, I'm going to tell them like, look, it's, there's a lot of misinformation out there, but it's still bad and you shouldn't do it. But yeah. it's not this terrifying boogeyman, you know? Um, so, yeah. So the, the reason I asked that is just because what I wanted to kind of segue into or think about, because as someone who's gotten surgery or whatever, I assume what they've used on me. I don't, I, I'm not one of those people that doesn't ask their doctors questions, which is probably why I'll die on an operating table sometime. But, uh, but I don't ask what painkiller they use, but I assume the painkiller for like the surgeries that I've had have been, you know, some sort of opiate based sort of painkiller. I'm, I'm not sure, but, um, 
but you know, it puts me out almost immediately or whatever. And I think that that might be an example of using a certain substance that in, in, engages in something that would be like a drunkenness where you're actually completely out of your element and not able to function. Um, and that is not, yeah. you know, and, and for the purposes of medicine, good, but for the purposes of your daily life, bad because you're you're not you know we're always supposed to be on watch that's like one of the things that christians are told um but uh the reason i i think that you're it's good that you're getting at this right is that there's this there is this underlying issue of bodily stewardship and even though we talk about drunkenness a right. lot, one of the things i wanted to talk about is actually kind of had to do with what i i mentioned um just when it comes to being alert and awake and uh, in this case being good at, at, for evangelism even which is uh, Matthew 25. So there, Jesus tells a lot of stories, parables, right, about how to carry yourself. And one of the ones he tells is the, the parable of the bags of gold in Matthew 25. And I'm not going to read it in full because it's, it's a little long. But in it, right, Jesus, um, it's a story of a, of a master and he has these three servants and he gives each of them a bag of gold and he tells them, you know, you need to grow it until I come back. Peace out. Leaves, right? Comes back. Two of them have done a good job with it, and one of them has it. The first one has has grown it, you know, immensely. The second one has grown it a little, but you know, has still grown it. And the last one gets scared, buries it in the ground, and and then is reprimanded by the master because he takes away that bag of gold and gives it to, to someone else, gives it to the guy who who created a lot, right? And that has to some. I think this is important, even though that might like not on the surface have anything to do with like drunkenness or drug drug use or any sort of substance use or whatever is important because like what that's talking about right there is evangelism right and if we are called to do that right part of being an effective evangelist is being around to talk to other people and engaging with other people and if we abuse our bodies whether it's through any sort of you know uh, overeating or anything like that uh, or through use substance use that actually keeps us from being able to do that and to bring that message to other people effectively and I think that's why there are so many calls, right, in Proverbs, but also in the letters of the New Testament for Christians to be sober-minded. Um, and I think – so that's that's like kind of the other half that I think – you know, I've talked about this before with you or whatever, but I think I, one of the things that I've been, I don't know, considering more recently is just like how effective does this make you? And I think that this is a call for healthy living for all Christians and why that that's really important. And I think that in many churches in the United States – Unsurprisingly, this isn't something we really talk about all that much because all of us in the United States like to eat quite a bit, and eating would be what probably right. the first thing that would have to change for a lot of people. Yeah, right. Most people are not Myself using drugs. Included. Yeah, uh, you know, and in in a in a traditional way that we think of people using drugs, and so that would be one of the first ways to actually challenge ourselves, and one of the easiest ways you can see how difficult this is is if you ever fast. From something a fun way to challenge oneself is during uh, the time of lent isn't that right george no 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 because then <laughs> you're just doing it to impress other people you're not actually trying to change your body <laughs> you're like the hypocrites oh, that wear bells and make sure everyone knows they're mourning and stuff like that <laughs> next question um i'm not gonna touch that um, <laughs> yeah one quick clarification so, so sure. when you're actually under general anesthesia you're um you're on like a series of drugs that uh, are not opiates. Gotcha. Okay. You might have been on ketamine. Well, I well I I did take after I got my wisdom teeth teeth ripped out of my skull. I did take painkillers, so I assumed that that was right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was those great. were op opiates. Yeah. My mom wouldn't let me take them at first because she was worried I was going to get addicted and I was dying. So funny. I was just dying in my room and I I I <sighs> I like woke her up at like two a.m. and I was like, Mom, I need one. And so she, you're supposed to take two, and she gave me one. And I have never felt better in my whole life, probably outside of a few other select times of emotional bliss than in that moment when I had that, because it just got rid of all of the pain that I was experiencing. So I can understand it. Like a just from that, glowing like, yeah. review for opium, just growing review for opium. From, yeah. Yeah. From a reverend. Um, so, so, um, yeah, yeah. So, so okay. I'm sorry. I, I promise we wouldn't talk about my mom, and I just keep saturating the. the yeah. Again, man. Come on. Like we covered it on the last episode. Yeah. We get it. You had a mom. Yeah, she's um, dead. Well, whoop de do. Yeah. <laughs> we feel so bad. So I think um, there's one other like quick thing I wanted to get sure. a read from you on. Like all these people that say that like, oh, like actually Christianity has a deep history with psychedelic mushrooms. <laughs> Joe Rogan. This. 
<laughs> all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan's popularized this theory. Dude, do you know um, that like John and Revelation did shrooms, and that's why he saw all the stuff he saw? Yeah, yeah. Can you just address that quickly? Uh, can I address it quickly? Yes. I can do the same amount of deep dive that I gave it on Purgatory. Uh, it's not true. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's no... There's no there's no physical or archaeological evidence in, in terms of even in uh, documentation that Christians engaged in this type of stuff. So it is speculation. I mean, when it comes to John, I think that is based in Revelation specifically. It's based at the fact that they found psychedelic mushrooms on Patmos and they take a scientific approach to it and they immediately say, well, there's no such thing as supernatural things, right? So we're going to get rid of that possibility <laughs> completely. So the only thing right. that could cause this outside of some sort of mental disorder or like some psychosis event would be if he took these mushrooms. And I think for people who uh, are, you know, regular drug users looking for some sort of affirmation like Joe, Joe Rogan, but also kind of, he's more of a, you know, he is kind of a materialist in, in a lot of senses, especially when it comes he's to, certainly a when it comes to original uh, uh, organized religion, I'll say he's very, <laughs> very, very much, um, like that. Well, he's just one of these California dude bros who's like, right. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Right, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, all right, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, uh, and so I think, like, if you offer, like, an alternative thing for, like, why people believed in Jesus or, like, why John did it, and that's through psychedelics, he's going to be naturally into that but but I, I there's no archaeological evidence for this the other this is done all the time in the ancient world and usually it's just kind of it's just kind of modern people saying supernatural things don't exist and that ancient people were stupid and so they didn't <laughs> understand these things they do it with the the oracle in delphi they say that there was there were gas vents kind of near delphi and so mm. the oracle just sniffed that gas and she was able to do these things and it's like so she the, was possessed by a demon right it, but instead of course she was possessed by the demon so I don't understand Obviously. why this is so difficult for some of you people to understand. But, the doy. Yeah, seriously. It was demons. Seriously. Gosh. <laughs> um, all right. I, I think we – is there anything else you wanted to bring up about the los drogas? No. Just liberty of conscience uh, when, when legal and, and you're, you know, don't be mad if Jesus ruins your coke habit. Yeah. Sure, sure as heck ruined mine. <laughs> Which was satirical. Satirical, yeah. Uh, so, let's let's get into let's sink our teeth into some questions, huh? Mm. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. You got Q's. I got A's. Can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, we got one snarky one and one question in earnest. <laughs> From two brothers, <laughs> Daniel and Aaron. So we'll do Daniel's first, uh, since he he sent it in first. Um, basically, he's. I'm just gonna try to sift through the snark here. Put on my snarkle on, because <laughs> it's a snorkel yeah, oh for gosh, snark, stop. and I'm I'm deep diving <laughs> in the snark. We got there. Um, so the, the question is basically like, what does premarital sex matter if couples who have it eventually mar mar marry each other and then manage to trick God into blessing them and their sexual lives because of their beautiful and noble matrimony? <laughs> Just so much, so many layers of snark. <laughs> Guys, I will make your question funny. Please stop trying to send me funny questions, okay? Jeez. <laughs> Humor consultant Daniel writes <laughs> <laughs> to the show. I love that we have all these consultants. Yes, yeah. It's like we don't even need to do anything anymore. I might as well just have people write what I say now. The sad part is we have like four listeners, and I'm just personally calling out like half of them on one program <laughs> for no reason. Okay. Uh, we're going to, yeah. This will eventually be just us listening to this show and sound just to do sound checks. Right. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, Daniel, thank you for your question. Um, thank you for supporting the show. Daniel and his, his brother have been like a really, really big – have probably grown the show more than either of us have. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. So we, we really do appreciate the support, guys. Okay. So uh, why care about premarital sex? Why is it a big deal if we can just get forgiveness? I think this is a great question because it's like well, why – 
why even worry about sinning if we can just be forgiven? Sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And there's that, there's a great line that Paul has in relation to this, right? And he's talking about this issue in Romans itself, right? Cause he's talking about how sin abounds or whatever. And, and so, and, and if we're, but we're give, we're forgiven if we, when we sin, because we trust in Jesus. And he's like, he, he, he inserts a question that he's probably gotten or a response that he's probably gotten to that, which is, so shouldn't we sin so that grace may abound? So in the in sense hmm. of like, so let's just sin so we can have as much grace as possible, right? Uh, and right. then he's, his answer to that is by no means, right? No, we shouldn't just sin so grace may abound. And that's because like when you become a Christian, right, you actually take away Jesus in the great, in the great uh, commission – says commanding them and all things that I've taught you teaching things all things I've taught you right and so it's like you know we're not supposed to just it's not just a relation repair between us and God which is extremely important right bedrock of the faith through what what is done on the cross but also when it comes to our response our part of that it actually means when we acknowledge Jesus as lord that he is lord of our lives and we have to take his words or his teachings on things seriously Right. And that's why it becomes mm -hmm. that's why the Christian life is practiced is so important. And it's not just like a kind of you go to the temple or whatever and you, um, you know, go go in front of the statue of Jesus and sacrifice a pig and go like, all right, my my sins are forgiven now because I've I've been able to pay you off or whatever. Right. It's <laughs> like that's not how it works is it's that, you know, Jesus covered your sins, but you are expected to to go and sin no more. Right. As as it's done. And of course, there's grace in these things, but it's not like you can just trick yourself uh, into thinking that God will somehow bless all the sin that, that happens. And so not just when it comes to premarital sex, but with all sorts of things. Um, sure. Yeah. And I mean, is atonement even possible without repentance? I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. I would say no. Right. I mean, if you're asking for forgiveness for a sin with no serious effort to, Change. Like stop repeating yeah. that sin. Yeah, to change, to repent, which means to, to think differently, to think again. Right. Right? Like, then why should God care <laughs> in, in a way, right? What, what, like, what does that serve? Right. No, it doesn't serve anything, really. Yeah. Yeah, one of the ways that I love this, love how God clarifies this, is actually in, in the Old Testament where he continually tells you. see this in Isaiah. You see it in Micah. Where like he'll say, I don't care about your sacrifices or your holy days or your fasts or anything like that. I care that you do what I command you to do, right? To love justice, right? Walk humbly with your God, things like that, right? And it's 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 not just this this idea of like I need to do what God wants. Um, it's like no, it's like yeah. that should that should like we should want to do that. That's actually the goal, and so. You know, and I know what he's doing here because he's cynical about marriage in general, Daniel is. Um, and he's just trying to uh, make make anyone who ever wants to get married feel bad. Uh, but uh, Are the ladies just not a big fan of his and so he's one of these? Yeah, he's one of those quote-unquote nice guys, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. One of those types. Yeah. <laughs> um, I shouldn't no, slander. I, yeah. Sorry, Daniel, I didn't mean to slander you like that. Uh, you get an apology. No, I, Thomas Wong doesn't. I've seen those guys. Yeah, yeah I, I, I wave at them as I drive by uh, in my convertible with my girlfriend. Right. But right. Yeah. You know, and they're usually walking home alone from an arcade or something. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or wearing a D and D shirt or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, so it's just like, but he, but this is a problem, right? Because like people will think if we did if we did this before marriage and we get married, then and we get married, then that's fine. Um, and it, it kind of erases whatever bad sin because ultimately, you know, we were destined to be together, whatever, and we got married. So it's basically like we were having marital sex, but just before we said our vows or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, my pastor in Armenia had, had told me that like having premarital sex was the biggest regret of his entire life. Um, and that hit me really hard because it was it was very hard for me to like go from secular right mm. totally secular line of thinking to then being like well i have to be celibate now right and he really set me straight on this was like this will be like the most it's just a huge mistake right if you decide to commit this and i mean i'm a huge fan of celibacy so <laughs> uh <laughs> 
if uh, <laughs> two thumbs up baby <laughs> yeah and it's actually really really important when you're when you're dude when you're picking a life partner like you have your whole lives together realistically like how long are you going to date this person before you get married mm-hmm. like maximum a couple years sure if you're a christian and you're like dating as a christian maximum a couple years right you know you have your whole lives to like you know bump uglies why do you have to worry about this now why does it have to be so rushed and i think when people realize like the space if you've gone from like someone who was having premarital sex to like repenting and realizing it's wrong and then forming relationships outside that well first of all you're going to guarantee that like whoever you're dating takes faith seriously sure yeah (laughs) but also um i think you're going to realize very quickly that whoa like the depth that's there when that's removed from the equation is huge yeah yeah so yeah highly recommend that um thanks again daniel for that question uh question two is from aaron but it's spelled a a ron um hi jordan cole uh i am one of the self-proclaimed see this one i will read because it's not drowning in snark uh (laughs) i am one of the self-proclaimed super fans of this podcast amen uh a serious board game hobbyist virgin laundry which is great by the which way is great, which is great yeah Cole's, which is Cole, awesome it almost sounded like an insult it almost sounded like an insult no, but no 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 i meant it as a compliment and a statement of pure fact uh as christians how are we to act in playing games that is to ask are we morally obligated to not participate in games that require deceit to win such as bluffing games due to thou shall not shall not lie mm. or if we are sh- uh sinning or if we do, are we sinning when the game requires us to lie? And then what about when we act brutally towards other players? Is there a conviction for us to implement mercy in games when the implication of carrying out that mercy will cause us to lose? Hmm. Would love to hear your take. Thanks, Aaron. Um, this is a really sweet... This tells me a lot about the heart of someone if, if this is what they're thinking. I think this is a really beautiful question. Yeah. Well, I played um, Magic the Gathering with both Daniel and Aaron. And Aaron's like just there for the fun, and Daniel just brutally kills his opponents. <laughs> so like you know, it's two two different. Look, things. I think, I think that like when the Bible condemns lying, yeah, it's I think deceit is a better word, right? Sure. Because if we're if we're playing a game that requires me to hide my the true state of my cards or my true uh, like. I don't know, assets in a game or, or something, yeah. right? If it requires, then I'm not actually deceiving you in a way. Right. I'm just playing the game. Right. Because we agreed beforehand that this is part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, as long as, as that's, you know, now if you're playing a game that does not call for deceit and that is not an agreed upon part of the game going in, then yeah, you are violating, you are lying to the person in a way that, it, that is sinful. But if it's part of the game, you're not really deceiving them, are you? Yeah. In, in the truest sense of, of, of the term. It's, it's, it's how I would think of it. Yeah, because like if you think – I mean this actually came up recently for me is that uh, one of the grandparents in my congregation learned that her grandson, who, who attends uh, sometimes, um, uh, plays Among Us. And she had never heard of Among Us. I don't know if you've played Among Us before or whatever, but it's basically like it's basically like Mafia or Werewolf or one of those games where like one person is the betrayer and kills mm-hmm. other players, right? And it's it's all trying to find out who the betrayer is. I guess in this in this case, it's it's uh, it's the imposter. But but that's that's the goal, right? And of course, if you're the imposter, you're going to lie to people and say that you're not because your goal of the game is not to get caught. Right. So if someone comes up to you and says, are you the imposter? And you say, no, and you are. Is that a lying? Is that sin? Well, no, I'd agree with you. That's part of the game. Right. It's everyone knows that if the imposter is not supposed to reveal themselves, they're trying to keep it hidden. So, like, why would you admit that? Um, it doesn't affect your credibility outside right, of the outside game of or the game. shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's a good a good thing, kind of a, a good thing to add. And of course, like, so they caught their grandson in a lie and then blamed among us. And I was like, I don't think that that's quite correct. I mean, like, you know, it's not teaching him that lying is okay. Or if it is, then you need to properly set apart that this is a game, not how we act in real life. 
and this isn't. So I think, but I think Aaron, you know, might already understand that a little bit, but I think it's a good question. I think the more interesting one, or I think it's kind of interesting because Cole also does combat sports. Cause I think you could easily take yeah. this and apply this to physical sport as well is like, yeah, when yeah. do you show mercy to someone? So like, let's say you're playing magic, the gathering and you're just crushing this other fat nerd. Cause of course everyone's a fat nerd uh, at the table, right? Like, what do you do? Like, do you completely just embarrass them or do you like allow them to get some good moves in or whatever? And, and things like that. Yeah. So. It's the same with sparring, right? So like in certain contexts, right? Yeah. You should let them sort of, if, if the aim of your, I think we should be really honest with like what we're doing when we play games. Right. And when you're sparring with someone, you're playing a game as well. I mean, look, if you're playing a casual game of Magic the Gathering and the person you're playing with is under the impression that this is a chill game where we're going to, um, I'm, I just made this new deck and I'm going to see if it works. I want to see how it plays and I want to try a few different things. And then you just like try your darndest to steamroll them. That's kind of messed up mm -hmm. versus if, if someone, if you're like, oh, I'm preparing for a tournament and I really want to test my metal with this deck, then okay. And it's the same with sparring, right? You'll have people come up to you and say like, oh, I want to go light. Let's keep it light and technical mm -hmm. sparring. Like, okay. So you're not, you're not going to make, you're going to do your best to pull your punches and, and not do damage. But then if you get in the ring with someone who's preparing for a fight, like, they have to go hard. Right. They're in that mentality where it's like you're in the ring. It's kind of like a killer be killed situation. Like, you know, you're firing on all cylinders um, and you need to accept that as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not that the person's trying to, that, that they want you hurt. Right. right. They, they are merely like they're participating in a sport that results in you getting hurt if they land their punches and kicks. Like that's just kind of the, the name of the game. So it's like, it, it needs to be done. And like with everything in, in Christianity, like God does not just require consent. God requires like enthusiastic consent. Right. Right. And I think we were talking about Mary earlier, mm -hmm. but Mary is a great example, right? So like, you know, God doesn't just say like, you're having this kid now. God's like sends an angel to, to ask for Mary's enthusiastic consent. So if you're playing with someone, if you're sparring with someone or you're playing a game with someone and you're like, hey, I really want to like try my hardest in this game and really have an intense session, like push myself. And they're like, um, all right they're not on board sure yeah okay but if they're like great me too and it's just like in the gym if if, if someone if i'm like i want to go a little harder sparring today and someone's like uh i could do that then i'm not going to go hard with them sure you know but if they're like yeah me too awesome i'm like great so we're on the same wavelength here yeah um so that's something to keep in mind enthusiastic consent is a really important concept right when it comes to any human interaction right um so yeah and i yeah. i think that's where sportsmanship comes in as well and i think that's where we can show our christian colors is in the way we win and the way we lose and the way we carry ourselves during a, a contest as well because like you know if you're being a jerk to someone like that's not really great <laughs> right. um you know and, and that and that's not that's not fun so it's a, it's a good question aaron i like that one yeah, it, it, it's interesting because it, when it comes to sparring, like, um, if someone is training for a fight, like, and, and I've had this experience in, in boxing, not in Muay Thai yet, because I'm not good enough at Muay Thai to, like, get in there with the guys who are training for fights, but um, it does not matter how tired you get, it does not matter how far down your hands drop, if you're not defending yourself, like, someone who is training for a fight, like, will keep hitting you as hard as they can. Mm right sure so i had to tell people like listen if you're if you're in the ring with this guy like don't ex people expect mercy mm -hmm. just sort of like you know but i i had to tell them like you need to take a knee right like you need to get used to the fact that like and it sort of you take a hit to your ego maybe but like you need to get used to the fact that like if you're hurt you can't defend yourself anymore, like take a knee and then they'll stop right because the per like they cannot shut off their head and feel mercy when they're in the ring. Mm. 
if they're trying to become like a professional boxer. They can't do it. It's not a luxury they have. Like, so they're training their themselves to be like, you keep going until the person's on the campus or there's a referee stoppage or the bell goes off. Sure. So the good news is you're in control of one of those. So you take a knee, it stops and then they'll walk away. But like, you know, so it, it is interesting. Um, looking, taking this to the world of sparring, um, the world of sparring etiquette is, is very, very tricky. Many pitfalls. Good to know. Yeah. Not that you're ever gonna, uh, you know, yeah, I have a gun, <laughs> so I just shoot people. Well, 21 foot 21 foot rule i hope you're 21 feet away from everyone you ever have a conflict with um so (laughs) 21 feet um so yeah thank you so much for the question aaron thank you daniel those are both great and keep them coming guys we really do appreciate the questions thank you logan for your uh light banter question Mm. Uh, you know i realized that we've sort of like alluded to boarding school a few times never really explained what that is (laughs) so good 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 eye or good ear rather and we we appreciate the feedback and thank you listener for sticking with us for another episode of cool kids bible study so until next week stay cool cool kids peace out